Welcome to Stuck in Development, the podcast where two media strategy nerds dissect what's developing in the world of entertainment. I'm your host, Carl, and with me, as always, is Aton. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm okay. I think I feel like I have some complaining to do. Oh. Not to you. Not about you. Could you not get a seat at Blue Beetle this weekend? Is that what you're <laughs> mad about? I'm mad that they took Oppenheimer out of the IMAX screens. Uh, no, but I mean, when I was listening to you give the intro to our podcast, which hasn't changed in 130 episodes, like, okay, what's developing in the world of entertainment? And it feels like most of the things we talk about are things of that are evolving, right? There are things yeah. that are new, that we're so excited about all of these technology changes and distribution changes and business models. But at the same time, it also feels like there are so many things that either stay the same or maybe more so that companies are not new ideas and new business models that the companies are not actually giving space to breathe before giving up. And my rant of the week that I wanted to get a little back of your thoughts on is streaming licensing. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if this is something that you've realized more and more in the last couple of months. I don't know if this is a saslafication of situations, but in the past week, it's happened to me that I've wanted to watch four different movies on streaming. Mm-hmm. And four movies that would have been very clearly associated with a specific streaming service. And these were all movies that, I mean, maybe saying that I wanted to watch was strong. Some of them I wanted to watch. Some of them I I was just like browsing a streaming service. I was like, what the hell is this doing here? And it got me thinking. But let me tell you. Um, This past week, I had a couple of moments where I was like reading in the couch. And I wanted to put something in the background because I'm a psycho. Mm-hmm. And in TikTok, for some reason, I'm on DreamWorks TikTok. So I'm getting a lot of like very bite-sized pieces of like Kung Fu Panda and How to Train Your Dragon. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I've enjoyed these TikToks. These are like fun movies, very easy to put in the background. I've seen them a thousand times. I know the jokes. I'm just going to put them there. So I'm like, okay, DreamWorks, as of 2016, is owned by Universal. Universal is doing a lot of stuff on uh, theaters. They're investing a lot, like the new the new theme park they're building in Florida has like this huge How to Train Your Dragon area. There's their Kung Fu Panda stuff. So I was like, perfect, I'm going to go to Peacock. Zero Kung Fu Panda movies available on Peacock. One of the three of How to Train Your Dragon. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my God, okay, what's happening here? Where are they? And then I remember, okay, DreamWorks only owned after 2016. Maybe they are of whatever they were before. Turns out, they're not. Paramount distributed some. They're not on Paramount+. Plus. 20th Century Fox distributed others. They are not on Disney+. Plus. I had this exact problem. Oh, my uh, God. I have been mainlining the Christopher Nolan movies. Lately, oh, just great example. Review yes. them. And if there's one filmmaker in the last 20 years that, that is defined by their relationship with a studio up until their most recent film, it is him. And... Right now, it's only the Batman movies and Dunkirk. Nothing yeah. else. Not even his most recent on their label, Tenet, was on there. Yeah, Tenet yeah. is not anywhere, right? Interstellar is in, like, Prime. It's not. Or, like, somewhere weird. Yeah, we, we owned the Prestige and Inception, so we watched those, but, yeah. It's just, like, distributed the Kung Fu, between Kung Fu Panda and this stuff. One is in the Roku channel, 
next to all the Quibi stuff. One is in Pluto, the other one is in Prime, and the first one is nowhere. You have to rent it. I'm sorry, next to all of Jeffrey Katzenberg's stuff. That, that's why it's there. Anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to add that I watched yesterday while I, while I worked on the background was uh, Top One Maverick. And this was not... It's not on uh, Paramount Plus? It is. It is. Okay. But this was also a situation where when I ended up watching one of the Kung Fu Pandas in Prime, Top One Maverick is also on Prime. Which is also the same situation with Avatar. The Wave Wider, which are like, oh, oh of course, this is going to be in Disney+. Plus. It's also on HBO Max. <laughs> and right. I'm just like... So, I'm, I'm here for the rant, but... But shut up, Ethan. No. Where am I going? I mean, the the mandate of our, our show is to help interpret yes. what's going on yeah, yeah. here. So, why... Like, what is this? What is this saying to you? I agree that it is even stranger and weirder than it has been in a while. And the fact that, like, I at least had a logical heuristic for about two years there of I, as somebody who knows studios, knows who makes what thing, and it's yeah. easy for me to go. And now it's impossible. What's going on here? Yeah, for me, you know, the whole value proposition, at least from the perspective of these studios, is. We believe that if we're able to put all of our content in the same place, we're able to generate uh, this volume that can attract customers to not only subscribe, but to also stay on. And the way that we differentiate with each other, with, with others is because all of them believe that they have very unique content, which at least between Disney, Max, Peacock, and Paramount, they do. They have enough stuff that you're like, oh, Mission Impossible and Top One Maverick and Nickelodeon is in Paramount. That's a lot of stuff. NBC and DreamWorks and all of that stuff is in Peacock. Universal, everything in Peacock makes a lot of sense. All of Warner Brothers is in Max. Amazing, right? This is super, super large. But going back to the point that I was saying of companies going back to old business models is everything is reverting to we're just going to license it to whoever gives more money because everyone is trying to get to profitability quicker because they're feeling the pressure. But then everyone ends up having everyone else's content. And to be fair, like it is in uh, waves, right? Disney is the one that, for better or worse, you see the list of in other places. Like I was surprised to see Avatar in HBO. I have no idea. And who knows what the Fox distribution deals were, right? Like Exactly. I'm like, okay. But some of this stuff, I'm like, Top Gun Mavericks, like the biggest movie of 2022. Paramount Plus is struggling. That decision making, if it does boil down to we need to make some cash because we're missing here the profitability, but devaluing the value of Paramount Plus and how important it is for them seems seems like a very reactive uh, move. And we've seen it from the players like Paramount, from players like NBC with Peacock, and now increasingly from Max with Saslav, where it's like you're still trying to catch up. Right to get to the Netflix of the world, or even some of the numbers that Disney has, and it's especially concerning to see Max, I think, doing it. Yeah, and it just feels like it's 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 going back to this commodity commodity commoditization of content. That there is a point and there is a threshold where if it's so commoditized, having this separate streaming service also doesn't like you build the business model on having this differentiated content. 
and now you're making these trade-offs because you think you have to do it. But then if you change it so much, then the underlying business model also doesn't make sense. So it, it feels like a lot of very short-term decisions. Very driven I mean, by short-terminism. Every streaming company is a publicly traded company, right? Or am I missing any that are private? I mean, I'm, I don't. I never remember all of the owners of like the Pluto TVs and the. Right, but even but even they like I'm am talking pure SVOD here. Like, oh yeah, the major pure SVOD players, yeah, yeah, the major pure AVOD for the most part too. And we we've bemoaned you know the investment philosophy of Netflix ad nauseum here, but VC expectations at least make sense, right? A VC is trying to get a company to hyper growth in a short amount of time so that they can exit. That is the goal of a VC. They're trying to make a stable company that's like attractive in an exit. They don't want to just create some, a flash in the pan that's not going to last. But all of these companies are trying to take a model that was perfect for that hyper growth phase that was really sexy for people that didn't really understand how the economics of all of this work and make it a the flagship revenue stream of a company that's supposed to be showing stable long-term growth and that's just not possible it's not even possible in a vacuum if there were three companies that had the technical expertise to pull this off much less in the competitive market landscape here but wall street's stupid right like the, the street always just bets on what's the signal happening right now and what it means so I think right now we, to your point, we're just seeing this kind of, it's what you spoke to about Google earlier, except Google, I think is a, is a company that can do this well, where Google is willing to just sacrifice lines of business or do, do make weird decisions to try and figure out how to make money in a bunch of different ways. Right. Mm -hmm. I think these companies are doing that, but not out of, not by design like Google, but out of panic of. How do we convince investors that this is a stable revenue stream and massage the numbers, which we're not quite releasing, and make it seem like it's not a house of cards that's falling apart rapidly? But it is. And you and I both know that. That's why you and I are not, both fascinated by this industry and not currently working in it. Yeah, and it's, it, it also feels like one of those scenes where taking, taking like a step back and looking at the industries that you're like, okay... Netflix is safe, like it's big and it, like it's, it's not in danger of M&A, it's not going to disappear as a business in the next right. know, couple of years. Disney has their physical experiences and products providing 70% of their profit. Right. So they, they have the leeway to do it. And then all of these other ones, you can make the case, are just vying to survive for the next couple of quarters because they are thinking about M&A. Comcast is probably just thinking, how can I get rid of, not rid of, what is a strategic partnership I can create for NBC? Paramount, and I'm showing you the a book that I got. You know, I finally got on Unscripted, which is the James Stewart book I think we talked about of the mm -hmm. the Redstone family and Paramount and Viacom. Great cover. Great cover. And then also Warner Brothers Discovery, which they said basically since the beginning, we want to we wanna do it. And then you start to see kind of how, how, 
they are trying to position themselves and how even this 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 business model is kind of this this piece in the chessboard that they're trying to move and it does feel like you know for for disney it does feel kind of for like a uh, we don't know we're gonna figure it out but it feels like a very core thing that they are trying to figure out they have a ton of challenges hulu espn but just trying to move to be direct to consumer they need to figure it out somehow tbd if they're going to be successful they have a ton of money on the side that they'll use netflix gonna be fine all of these others it's starting to feel like they're doing it because they have to yeah they're not all in it sounds nice but kind of and they probably have their meetings once a month when they show the numbers and it's like eh, this is fine Hey, it's making the the Sony arms dealer thing look yes. better and better. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, and it also means that like like it was announced that I th- I think it's September 9th is the release day on HBO Max for Barbie. I think I saw. Or no, it's 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 premium. It's digital. It's, yeah, yeah. It's premium premium VOD, right? Okay, sorry, just digital. But that means that the HBO Max release is what probably before Thanksgiving, if not on Thanksgiving. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but that's it's the uh, Encanto paradox, right? Like they shouldn't be releasing that. It, it's a movie that's going to keep making money through this month in the theater, I was and so then would have a life that it was at a, so early. I mean, are you surprised? Yeah, they they reached a billion dollars, also, right? Also, the WGA sack strikes are nowhere near close and keep those keep stuff in theaters as long as possible here to distract people from that that's very surprising yeah um so yeah i i think it, it was just an interesting week to look at some of these things and be like yeah they're, they're... nobody has it figured out we've talked ad nauseum of the challenges of netflix and the stuff that they are trying to figure out um but yeah, it, it truly feels like Disney has their own kind of uh, soul searching that they're doing. And all of these others do feel like, eh, we'll see. Yeah, keep it there. Well, sure, sure. Yeah, we're combining Paramount Plus and Showtime. Okay. Who cares? <laughs> oh, we have this thing with Peacock and blah. Okay. Cool. It's there. People are going to churn between them. We're fine. <laughs> you know, everyone is like just threading water. Only there is some M&A. But who wants to M&A with these interest rates? They're going to end up doing something between them, no? No. Well, this is a great segue. I don't know if you were setting me off and just I didn't take the bait for like three minutes here, but great segue (laughs) to another point I wanted to touch on briefly here, which is we spoke weeks ago about... Uh, Disney having a fire sale of their properties mm-hmm. um, of ESPN, ABC, legacy broadcast rights. Then there was an article in the Hollywood Reporter. Um, the headline was a Disney sale to Apple. Don't count it out this time. I'm counting it out as are you. Uh, it's an article that I think really does not at all look at how Disney makes money. And how Apple makes money. It just kind of talks about how the classic Apple has so much money. What would they buy? A hypothetical that you and I have had at least three discussions about in 
the, our show here. I think what our mutual favorite is Nintendo, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Still stick behind that. But but Apple. Like, go read this article. It's it's whatever. Like, it's a bad argument. Um, Aton, why would Apple not buy Disney? Or at least not buy all of Disney? I feel like you're teasing me to start with a specific argument, but I feel like there are so many. There are so many. I, there, I don't have a cohesive argument either. I, I'd send you like a wall of text yeah. about it. The first thing, I guess, to start is what we were talking about. 69% of the profit from Disney is something Disney probably doesn't want to touch with a 10-foot pole, a 10-foot stick. I don't imagine Apple wanting to own hundreds of thousands of hotel rooms and restaurants and acres and acres of uh, theme park. They have a hospitality business in a way with their retail stores, but... Uh, sure. That is so Service. far removed. Yeah, yeah. So far removed. Just like and they have a good supply chain of, of consumer products and goods. But again, it's not toys going to the bargain bin at Macy's. Yeah, it, it feels like one of those things where it's like... Going back to my very simplistic first principles perspective of M&A. Why would you buy this? If the, yeah. whole, if the whole point would be, oh, we want to have a better pipeline of creativity and maybe an area of creativity that takes advantage of our technological tools for distribution. Let's say, oh, the Vision Pro, we really want to invest on having like awesome stuff here. Partner with them. And they, buy, I mean, buy, buy, they had that get, ESPN demo that was nothing, but they had it, right? Yeah, get, get the distribution rights for streaming for all of Neon and A24. Like just, I, I, it feels like hell. That that would make more sense for them to purchase one of them. That, sure, that fits if it pretty to... well with their awardsy Apple Studio strategy, right? Like, but yeah, like in agreement. There's no reason they need to be on this. They have a long history of partnership as well because of the relationships with Steve Jobs being the uh, largest shareholder of the company for the last few years of his life. Um, they were the first to put digital video content on the the iTunes Store. Like it, it's, a, it's a classic thing, but I, there's no reason to own these assets, and especially when they're so distressed in terms of the future of what the company is. Like That's not something Apple wants to figure out right now. Um, I, I made the argument to you that the two things I can see them potentially purchasing, if, if this whole fire sale thing is on the table, is on one hand, you I could see... Um, either ESPN or Nat Geo potentially being interesting in terms of like the content portfolio. ESPN fits perfectly with the uh, sports moves that Apple's making, but legacy broadcast ESPN, ESPN less so. Mm-hmm. Nat Geo, I don't know, cool content that would go good on a Vision Plus headset, right? Or Vision Pro headset. And then the, the dream one for me would be Pixar. I could see there being a good match there with Pixar. Finally combining... Uh, all of Steve Jobs. Yeah, on the one bring it, bring it home. But I mean, they, Apple just announced that they're partnering on Pixar's open scene description standard, and that they are pushing that forward as the standard for how they're going to generate three D content. Um, they, like, like it was a Steve Jobs company, but I think the cultures are still fairly similar because of that. 
They're also not unionized, which is rare within the Disney portfolio. And mm-hmm. Apple's also not unionized. And I just, I could see that being like a good technical match. ILM maybe as well, but I, I don't necessarily see the, like working with other studios thing that is ILM bread and butter being like a core business Apple wants to operate either. But beyond that, I can't really think of much in the Disney portfolio that makes sense. But Pixar, is Pixar more valuable to Apple than it is to Disney? No, it's not. It's not, right? Like, this would be something that if you it was the other way around... They've, they've treated it for the last three sure, years. Sure, but, but if it was the other way around, I feel like it would be, like, an even more obvious thing. Like, this should go to Disney. Right. Like, all the toys they're going to sell, all the theme parks they're going to create, all the hotels they're going to stop, all the cruises they're going to put them on. And, yeah, the ESPN one is an interesting one because it could be one where... I want to see creativity, right? I've always said this. and Because yeah. Apple, Apple, with all of their moves for for sports they've done the smallest of sports right they did the mls totally and they did like the friday night uh, mlb baseball uh they were supposedly on the hunt for uh, the biggest of rights which is the nfl sunday ticket which was acquired by google and but i could see something where who says no carl espn becomes kind of a joint venture between Disney and Apple, where they bid together for the rights for the NBA, and they expand some of the rights for the MLB. You can ESPN Plus becomes kind of a, I, I I'm not sure an add-on or a way that you can get through Apple TV that is very natural. It's discounted, but it's also part of the Disney bundle. I could even just see like Disney making the call that that's not the the thing that's selling the Disney bundle. It's not. We know that. We looked at the numbers. If that's not pushing the Disney bundle, then fully let... I don't know. The ESPN rights be contained in a separate company, and ESPN can either farm out the rights to Apple, and that's that, and they're done on that front, or they do some sort of sharing of of the revenue or something. I don't know. Like... yeah. I can see that, but I don't think Disney wants that to own that platform anymore. Yeah, and the weird thing with ESPN is also that I think the market is discounting still how much money it creates through cable. And it's, like, it's of course true that it went down from, like, 70-something million subscribers to, like, 55 in the last, whatever, five years. Yeah. But it's the biggest of cash cows. And if I'm Disney, at the same time that I'm thinking of moving to DTC and want to have all of this thing... This still, this thing is still generating a ton of money for them. So if somebody's gonna buy ESPN, they have to buy all of these future cash flows that the legacy business is gonna continue to have. And that feels like it's fine to say and agree and, and like they should be talking about this out loud that that is going away and being preparing for the future. Yeah. But at the same time, it's probably inflating the price to the point that is like, why would I sell low? If the money that that thing is providing is maybe giving me the money to figure out what to do next. And I don't know. I just want to see something interesting. These joint ventures never end well, right? After a couple of years, the Hulu, they have to go somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure exactly how to do it. Maybe it's ESPN Plus and Apple has something that is exclusive ESPN Apple and 
Yeah. I, I just frankly, I still can't figure out how much of a hobby streaming is for Apple. Like, they've made some significant investments, but they've made a lot less of a significant, a much less significant investment than most of their peers in this space. Like, I would even say, like, Facebook's failed dozens of experiments in this field have probably been more significant over the long pole of history than, than Apple's right now. I'm just shooting from the hip there. The numbers might not be that case. I could be lying here. But it seems like Apple, in terms of everything they do, streaming is like a thing they're experimenting with and they're doing well, but it doesn't seem to be a thing that they're fully committing to besides sports. So I just don't know what the strategy is, and I'm having trouble reading that from the outside. I can think of a bunch of good strategies for them, but I don't know what it is. And buying Disney... Or frankly, buying any of the major film studios does not make sense for their their strategy right now. Yeah, exactly. Like when I when I think of like growth and thinking of organic versus inorganic and when it makes sense to go inorganic, it's probably for one of those things where it's like I don't have these capabilities, but I believe this is gonna these are gonna be like a core driver of my growth. Yeah. And I, I I mean I guess we've never said this, but like Apple TV is not gonna be a driver of growth for Apple. Right, no. it's a it's a it's a it's a cool piece on their ecosystem that is driving a lot of money somewhere else. And when I think about all of these things, like okay, if I'm Apple, what are the things that I'm worried about? And I'm just thinking, I'm looking literally looking at the ceiling. Okay, probably some of the AI stuff that is happening. I'm like, okay, I I can put it in my devices, but you know, it's not tremendous. What could this do to my device thing? And where do I play? And then it's like, okay, I also do a lot of silicon, but I keep the silicon all to myself. Would a play for... I mean, they're not going to buy NVIDIA, but... I don't know. Another cheap maker, smaller, that specializes in AI stuff. And they they do some stuff there to participate in the market, even if they don't... You know, they're they don't they don't play upstream, they play down they don't play downstream, they play upstream. Like But but also this thing with, with content. Apple I do not see a world in which Apple which Apple ever does a serious investment in professional level AI silicon. Like it's more just what's something that's I that will help power like the next generation of the neural engine in our iPhones, right? They're not gonna their commitment to the pro the pro market is very skin deep, and I do not see it them buying a special silicon line just for the Mac Pro, which they will probably not con- they will continue not pushing. I I don't think so way. either. Uh, I, however, would say that I even if I say the likelihood is like one percent, it's still higher than the point zero one percent that I would have said earlier, and maybe it's also driven because of their willingness to open all their stuff up. Right? It's not hardware, no. but with these services stuff, I don't know if I asked you 10 years ago, hey, Apple TV and Apple Music are going to be accessible from any platform you're in. You would have been like, oh, sure, that makes sense. Or, no, these guys are going to keep this only for their for their own thing, right? And that I could show you my Google TV and you're like, wait, is that Apple TV? That would be like, yeah, that is Apple TV. Um, but some so, of this stuff with, I mean... With their computing, their computing stuff and the Division Pro, 
I think it shows it 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 shows an understanding that the computing interfaces are going to continue to evolve, and they have a specific perspective that some of these this version of visual interactions is going to continue to be very important. Maybe it's something that they have to continue to invest in that and how that's going to look and other options that are not vision based, right? If some of these things move to other areas, I mean, voice live it, lived its life and fizzled, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Apple is also a $3 trillion company. We're thinking about growth. It's like, ah, oh, this only gives us $10 billion. Eh, not worth it. How, how much money do they have? Cash in hand? $400 billion? Something ridiculous? I don't remember. What's the latest? Yeah, it was It was that high. I can't remember either. We look this up every two months, and it's it's just a bigger number. Cash <laughs> in hand. Uh, oh, no, not that, much, not that much. $56 billion. Which at 5% interest... It's whoops. It's two point eight billion dollars a year, if they have it on an interest on a high interest savings account. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, is the float on that better than any return they would get from acquiring anything? Probably. I don't. That's the thing, right? Also with ESPN. Yeah. It wouldn't be fifty-five billion, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. If they want to waste a third of that on ESPN, plus whatever the rights are going to be for the big thing. I mean, it's probably cheaper just to buy the rights out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. ESPN. Yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. Sure. Exactly. That's the whole point. Yeah. They don't need to buy ESPN to get the rights, and if all of the value of ESPN comes from the rights. What I think we're witnessing here is what happens when a very savvy group of executives makes very intentional, perfect M&A over a decade and then finds themselves in a position where they need cash now and can't figure out how to sell these things because they're too perfectly integrated within the company. I think that's what this is. It's just, it's hard to imagine a world for these assets without Disney as because they've been so well integrated within Disney. And it's also, it's similar to the Hulu thing where it's difficult to think about this, I think, in my mind, in like the market, but it's like, it's like what I said about Hulu, right? It makes sense for Hulu to die and disappear from the face of the earth. Yeah. Right? It makes sense. NBCU is taking all of their stuff out. Disney has its thing. They're going to put it in a thing. But it exists because it's this quote-unquote asset that has right. something attached to it. But it doesn't make sense. And ESPN, I think, is in the same point. That is like, this thing is not going to exist in 10 years. But we have to figure something out in the meantime, even if the value, we know it's not there. Because Disney could buy the the the... The right and just say yeah they're not going to an espn they're going to disney plus and right they this could goes back to they the, won't the but... public company thing right where this would not be an issue if this company was privately held or was 
VC-backed or whatever. Because any rational person is looking at these things and saying, cool, let's just get rid of it. Like, let's toss it. Let's eat it. Like, the asset's gone. Let's invest in these other things. But, I don't know, the pension fund of, of Mobile, Alabama, or this police department, is going to look at this and say, Disney got rid of Hulu and ESPN, so this company's going down the toilet, so we need to sell, right? Like, that's what's going to happen here, is you, the general public is not thinking about these things, and they're just seeing the brand they know and love disappear, and disappear for no reason in their mind. There's no argument that, that can be made here. And that's why an analyst is not going to recommend this action either. But I think just from a corporate governance perspective, yeah, throw some of these things away, combine some of these things, streamline it, call it a day. But I think these brands are too strong and too well integrated with the company for that to actually work for Disney. It's a, like a prison of their own design. And I think it's also one of those things that, to your point about the brands, like, they are perceived as if they've existed forever. Yeah. ESPN was created in the 80s? I have no idea. Yeah. Like, it's not like these are, like, you know, hundreds of years of, like, ideas and cores of core of our society. I mean, even the entire entertainment industry is, like, shockingly young. Yeah. So... Anyway, creativity, that's what I want. Well, creativity is so refreshing, as I mentioned earlier, that you and I don't really have a stake in this game except for being endlessly fascinated by it because it makes me a lot less depressed every week coming on and being like, yeah, the economics of this industry are collapsing in real time. Well, my 401k has ETFs that have the whole market, so I technically have a stake on every single company, if not the most minuscule of the world, but I am. And my 401k... My 401k is loaded with AT&T stock. And guess what? It now means it's loaded with Warner Discovery stock. Exactly. So. Congratulations. Yeah, you're I big, know. It's great. A, you should send a letter to Saslav as a concerned... As a concerned holder of thousands of dollars of uh, Warner Discovery stock. Yeah. Mr. Sas. This is yes. Mr. Smotko. Um, I have a small AUA for you. Okay. Have you watched Theater Camp? Because I just came no. from watching it. I am going to theater camp tomorrow. Okay. Is it a sold out viewing? Uh, It's not sold out, but it was was about half sold when I booked yesterday. Oh, okay. So it'll probably be three quarters sold by Alamo Speeds. Okay. Ariel and I had a blast. We went to Coolidge Corner and Coolidge Corner listeners if you've never been it has these awesome huge screens but it also has these tiny screens so this screen was 16 people this place has 16 seats it was full i mean not that it's hard to do full but it was it was a great communal viewing experience we had we had a lot of fun and you're into musical theater right i am yes oh okay okay the Uh, the only the single thing that i'm not into in the entirety of theater camp as a film the actors i love almost all the actors in it the people behind the camera whatever is ben platt ben platt just like jumped at the shark over the last few years for me i mean it was evan hansen the film version combined with like 
him shrieking about not being a Nepo baby when he is like a big Nepo baby. <laughs> so like, I don't know. He just cringes me out. So that's like kind of giving me pause. So would love to hear like how he is in it because that's the one thing I'm apprehensive about. But I'm also really excited to see it and it looks really fun. The one thing I would say, I think it's one of the first things he does where you also have a reason to feel about like that about his character, which I think yeah. maybe makes it a little more organic and less cognitive dissonant. Uh, Noah Galvin, his fiance, who also co-wrote the movie with him, is awesome in it. And I don't know. We just had a lot of fun. A lot of laughs. Well, it, was, it was cute. Nothing revolutionary, but one of those just fun movies that I'm glad exist. Uh, I'm. Have you seen Wet Hot American Summer? I think I. This is the one that Netflix then did the other one. Yeah. I think I have only seen the follow up. Okay. Well, you should watch the original. The original one is fantastic. The follow ups, meh. But uh, there's these. There's. It's early Bradley Cooper and early Amy Poehler are a pair of very intense theater kids in What Happened American Summer that are just putting on a show in the background of the summer camp the whole time. And I just imagine the entire this entire movie is just like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern version of those two characters if the entire camp was their vibe. So I'm excited to see it. It'll be fun. Uh, I want to catch up with that. I want to catch up with Ninja Turtles mm -hmm. and... Would love to see Old Boy before it leaves theaters because I've never seen it. Um, but that's something where Alex does not want to watch Old Boy again. I've never and I've never seen it, so she's like, "Just go watch it by yourself." And also, none of the guests that I am hosting over the next week or so are going to want to see a very violent Korean movie, so I might miss it. I understand it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, quick, quick, wow for me oh, if I can. Yeah, of course. We are, uh, we've been trying to, we were like, we're going to keep our episode like 20 minutes and we are definitely pushing that. But I saw RRR on Friday. Oh. In a sold out screening. I know. I, I, uh, in Landmark, which is the, my other independent theater that is close to me, they have it as coming soon. But then you click and over the next month, it doesn't have any times. So I'm like, when is it coming? Sometime. You ha Have you seen it? No. Because I, oh. I mean, I, I've heard also from it's like it's in it's on Netflix, but it's in Hindi. It's not on the original, and there is like a way to sign up for the original. I know for like this Indian streaming service, but I'm just like, no, no, I want to watch it in a movie theater with a lot of people. It, it's amazing. It's, is it different? Like... I saw that there is like a re-release. It's called RRR, uh, the Anchor or Turbocharged or Recharge or something like that. Is it the, any extra scenes, even a little bit longer? I mean, this was purely like a boutique rep screening like this was somebody went and got like a print of it for the night this oh, was okay. not like a any part of the new like re-release strategy okay because apparently they are doing this very 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 small re-release strategy but got anyway. it yeah fun but okay tell me about it just what do you think pretty much it wasn't a sold out screening but it was a massive massive like 1500 theater it's the paramount theater which is just oh my so God. it's a big old movie palace that is now like a concert venue but they show movies like two or three times a week now um which is great and the entire orchestra area was sold out um some balcony people were up there too but the experience that was it was the closest to for me was um 
watching Speed Racer in a theater a few months mm-hmm. ago, mm-hmm. where just like everybody was just kind of like shrieking with joy while watching it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Michael Bay film in times in a good way, in that like Michael Bay likes to show like the coolest possible thing he can every second of his movies, which is exhausting when there's nothing else to grab onto except for that. And also when, like, the man's also not that good at, like, framing a shot or editing them t- together. Sure. Whereas this had neither of those problems and was just, like, delightful. It's um, gleefully anti-colonialist. Um, yeah, I, I had a blast. Um, Natu Natu was, was wonderful um, in context, so... I imagine there is also Trying something Ariel and I were saying where we are coming out of theater camp today where now, a month and a half I've since we've been in theaters, the people that go are self-selecting to go. Yes. So I imagine with RRR it was also something that was like, oh, the people that are going are self-selecting to like have a good time. And then they're they had to really the show of hands. About half of the people there had seen it before. The other half were newbies, and it seems like many of them were were there with friends. So but probably they could even be newbies like me, which I would I one hundred percent self select because I was sad not to see right. it, and I must still don't believe Exactly, and that's where I was at too. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, very cool. That's great. Well, great to catch up for double twenty minutes. Yeah, of course. And Everyone, please remember to rate, rate, review, subscribe, review, subscribe and rates <laughs> and we'll see you next time bye